Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Please go to tacticalpermaculture.com to read my blog, watch my videos, view my photos, access web applications, and click on the join membership link to access exclusive features. July 1st, episode 68. This has definitely been the most brutal, brutally hot day of the year so far, and um, there's going to be a lot more like it and a lot more worse than it, but uh, clocked in at about 100, between 110, 115 um, for a number of hours, and um, yeah, it's been, it's been a while, it's been a uh, since last year that it was like this and uh there's only so much you can do to psychologically and physically and medically prepare for it um because once you're in it and you're resolved not to tap out of it then um It's a real struggle on on a lot of levels, but um, what's what's more interesting to say about today, other than it marking the the high point of the year so far, is um, the more the more incidents of people dropping dead out there in these heat waves. I, I read this uh, global daily digest of natural and artificial disasters and extreme events. It's kind of like a academically justifiable, not really doom scrolling, but it's it's reading reading a, a very diverse array of different reporting uh, different types of reporting from around the world different takes on different events in different languages or at least from different perspectives even if it's translated into english so yeah i mean all the major fires and car crashes and infrastructure collapses and leaks and explosions and uh conflicts and animal um attacks and epidemiological outbreaks pretty much everything that's newsworthy that's that's somewhat atrocious or catastrophic it's 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 pretty well and it's being reported on because there's plenty that's not but i read that digest every day and uh part of me says i'm lucky to have made it through today since so many people didn't it's almost like an obituary of all the people who were maimed by the horrific, horrific technologies of civilization and, and then some who just had bad luck in terms of encountering wildlife. But um, but yeah, lucky to make it through another day, given all that is possible out there, and glad that I'm reducing my 
technological attack surface for things that could cause me to be crushed under falling debris or in a fiery pileup vehicle accident or in chemical leak or explosion. I mean, it's all it's all there, and it just uh, it's easy for it to be out of sight, out of mind, and have normalcy bias that it'll never happen to you, and certainly not in your backyard until something does happen. And now we're in a world where that something that may happen is that you may drop dead of of heat illness on the spectrum of exhaustion leading to cognitive issues that lead to behavioral uh, morbidity, I think, or behavioral toxicity. Basically, you could have survived if you would have just sat down in the shade, but you died because you tried to drive and now you flew off of a fucking canyon and you're dead. There's, yeah, people out there. There was a there was a news report of a, a group of uh, young women who went. I think it was yeah. They went up a hiking trail and had to get medevaced out because it was just one of those triple digit, more than one ten degree Fahrenheit days. And uh, yeah, I mean, with all due respect to their souls, I think we're gonna have to start doing heat drills or something because people's behavior and the cultural uh, public health messaging, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox, but uh, whether you're burn, baby, burn, clear-cut all the forests and climate change is, is a conspiracy, whether you're a climate change denier or whatever, you blame industry or not, I guess if you're dead, it doesn't matter what you thought about it. But it might have been good, no matter who you blamed or didn't blame, to consider the possibility that uh, in response to heat as a threat to your life, you might take a, a, a more tactical and strategic approach to it. Certainly I am, because I have no choice at this point, and my life has become literally not just survivalism as a hobby or as a as a, as a persona or identity or affiliation but literally where it gets to the point where it's yeah are you a professional survivalist because you get sponsored by knife companies and rope companies and long long-term storage food companies no i'm a professional survivalist because my job is to survive <laughs> one day to the next and if i yeah if i get fired from that job that means i'm dead so the idea is uh sometimes Sometimes just surviving is like the whole workday. That's what it means to be productive. That's what it means to be, to just be, that to just survive. Having accomplished nothing else in a day other than simply not being killed by the cycles of nature, that's meaning yeah you get water you get food and in the summer you get shade in the winter you bundle up but i really appreciate the wisdom teachings of the wild animals that i'm a friend to out here now and that teach me so much about the simplicity of just getting by and being grateful to be embodied and to have the ability to feast your senses on this world and um, 
without a whole lot of other expectations and demands or stress other than to maybe kill or be killed in certain circumstances, but there's an elegant and grace to that as, as in the sense of the law of the jungle. Luckily, uh, yeah, for me, I don't have a lot of human physical violence that I have to deal with. That's a blessing that's rare in this world anymore. So it's me surviving the elements and that is the the threatscape and now this time of the year since the winter is really not deadly you would have to really 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 try to die in the winter in this climate where I'm at it's not going to kill you unless you really really want to die unlike the summer where you got to really 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 want to live not to be killed by it and today was the first of many day first this year of many days that I experienced over the last two years where it's interesting to kind of I, I have to wonder, am I getting stronger or am I getting weaker on all levels of my being? I've heard scientific or pseudoscientific uh, pontifications going in either direction that heat exposure kind of degrades you like a battery that won't charge all the way again after it gets overcharged or or I've heard people say that uh, or write or hypothesize that uh, by training and building up your heat tolerance you actually become more resilient to it and so I, I would say there's probably it's probably both and because a lot of how you push yourself through extreme conditions is is a psychological factor so yeah my my physicality may be degrading because of this exposure to extreme heat with very little mitigation for several months out of the year and now I'm into my third year yeah i may maybe i'm maybe i'm aging faster or or, or degrading somehow um Certainly there are a lot of compounding things after being out here where I feel like I'm being ground into dust, but kind of that was the experiment, that was the mission to to see if all of my fantasies and all of my myth of the noble savage type of back-to-the-land rewilding rhetoric actually was livable. And of course, ideally, you would be buffered in the arms of a, of a very... Uh, skilled and very well adapted tribe of like-minded folks i lack that in this chapter of my life i've had it in the past but we weren't living together through such extreme times in such extreme place i'm doing this very much alone so yeah i mean i'm i don't think i'm biting off too much more than i can chew i'm certainly only going into the so-called beast mode rarely when there's like a storm where I need to go and deploy my rainwater catchment systems so I don't lose but one drop if I can help it. Um, that's when I will get turned into the Incredible Hulk and go into beast mode and push through whatever back pain and aching joints and heat exhaustion or cold or whatever rain, it, it, hail, it's got to be done. I got the gear for it. I got the mindset for it and I do it. 
and I will be documenting it with photos and videos now more than I than I had before because I feel like it's a, the right time to um, produce that kind of material at least when it's uh, when it's meaningful but uh, yeah what happened today that's noteworthy beyond all these thoughts about it was the action that occurred that to me was symbolic and uh, but also very practical and real and that I discovered a uh, a beautiful lizard that was trapped on a in my Chinampa Island garden inside of the fish galvanized water stock tank fish pond kind of thing and uh it's a small system and uh i've seen camel spiders that are pretty that are pretty big end up in there and meet, fall to a watery grave not nothing i could do about that seeing them already dead floating in there and just have to think of it as a treat for the fish but but this lizard had found its way. It climbed down my fig tree down to where all these tiny seedlings were growing up out of the wicking moisture uh, in the uh, the pot that the fig, the fig tree is in inside of that pond. And, uh, and this lizard was just chilling right there. And it wasn't dead and it wasn't lying flat. It was actually kind of in like a Tai Chi kind of posture and uh, I don't want to say we were communing, but it was very much, I guess, making eye contact. But um, but it was very stoic. And uh, yeah, I it seemed to not be very responsive. I tried to rattle, rattle the tank a little bit to just judge whether it was okay. And if it was just, I mean, <laughs> if I can ascertain that a critter is doing what it wants to do, I'm not going to mess with it. But I do know that there are places that they can get to sometimes different types of containers where I know they're not going to be able to get out on their own. So that means I got to go and do whatever it takes to get them out of there. And uh, yeah, I've rescued a few things out of there before. And it's always kind of, it's always kind of a uh, high stakes because I don't want to think I'm doing them a favor and then scare them and have them fall in the water and me not be able to rescue them effectively and have them die and then me have to live with that sounds petty or maybe it sounds insignificant but to me it means a lot trying to develop a a sort of fabric of relations out here where where I have a good scorecard with the way I treat the wildlife and how I interact so I would consider it a major failure if I if I failed to rescue this lizard but it was early in the morning when I first saw it and made that little initial contact from the outside from several feet away just to ensure it was alive and uh, it looked like probably what happened was that it climbed down that fig tree got down onto the on, into the onto the pot and then maybe had a snack there of some of the some of the seedlings which I don't mind um 
and then it uh i don't i don't know i didn't notice it there yesterday so i don't know how many hours it had been there for but i didn't know if it was suffering from heat exhaustion from yesterday or just sh some kind of shock or that it expended energy but it was aware that it had nowhere to go um i don't think it was there vacationing at that point and it probably was worried that climbing back up that's yeah i mean it was pretty small it was i don't know what age i would gauge it at but from the size of the giant lizards that run around here that are like between a foot and a foot and a half long sometimes maybe closer closer to a foot but something like that i see tiny ones i see big ones this one was maybe between the tiniest to the biggest is probably about I don't know, 20% of the, somewhere, yeah, just smaller. And uh, yeah, I, I, I would see how it would maybe have a hard time making its way back up. So I said to myself, well, I'll come back for it later. I'll come back for it in the evening when it's, when it's cool. Give it a chance to give it a chance to tell to 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 work its way out if it wants to, and I'm just you know being I don't want to be impatient and then stir it up and have it fall in. So so I waited, and then on my <laughs> on my my lunch hour lunch break, I come out and uh, it's already at a point in the temperature where if I don't just dart from shade covering to shade covering I risk getting dizzy falling and going unconscious and being eaten alive by everything that would like to feast on my corpse out here and so I have to very very be very 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 fast and very careful while I'm fast not to trip and fall and get knocked out or stand up too fast get lightheaded and fall and lose consciousness and because yeah if i can't at least crawl to shade and i lose consciousness that's why i can't drink too much you know no i cannot lose consciousness out here unless i'm tucked away nicely and sleeping at night in a safe location otherwise it'll be a death sentence and so that's why I'm going to call this shade or die like the old game skate or die but it that lizard was also seeking shade it was nice because I have created a nice shade canopy over this Chinampa garden and uh it looked like it was possibly having the time of its life just chilling in the shade laying out on this on this compost in this uh in this this tree pot where the moisture is wicking up on it so it may have just been thinking i found the oasis i found paradise so i didn't want to mess with it because it did it did look like it might be just having the time of its life but later like i said lunch break i come out and i said i can't i can't risk that it could be suffering down there and it could be distraught down there so i'm gonna risk myself a little bit and i'm gonna risk getting scorched moving around crawling into the into the, into the uh where i need to get to and have that feeling of being punched in the face repeatedly by a pro boxer and getting hit by a train from all directions at the same time 
continuously, nonstop, just any movement whatsoever, any time in full exposure to the sun in the midday is just, uh, it's quite a beating. And uh, yeah, it's like running a mile and getting beat down and being in a car accident. I think I've done all those things. Yeah, maybe not in the same day, but yeah, in the same second. That's what it feels like every time you're in the sun out here. <laughs> yep, I, I think I've experienced all those things. So yeah, that that's uh, that was a bit of beast mode that I had to muster to get in there. And then the game was how do I not, again, disturb it so that it just out of instinct jumps into the water and then then we're really going to have a problem so I got this thick glass blender pitcher that I used to get the pond water out to pour out onto the other planted pot, uh, potted plants and I set that in position and then I I tried to nudge it so it would climb in and it kind of it it moved fast which was good it showed me it was healthy but it made a sound and I did not know I'm not, I don't know much about lizards but uh I never I've seen a million of them out here already but I never heard it make a sound it made it wasn't you know I, I just nudged it it wasn't it wasn't I it wasn't like I stepped on its toes or anything it wasn't in, in any kind of agony or pain but it was it was getting in a, in a fighting stance not knowing what or who I was or certainly not necessarily understanding I'm there to help but it uh, yeah it made a vocalization and it really it was really uh, a moment to, to behold just that just feeling that that raw and that close to survival uh, in in terms of just pure animal to animal trying to get by trying to live life can't really put into words but I luckily was able to again safely for both of us without it being aggressive nudge it and get it to climb into the picture and then I escorted it out but I, I had to set it outside of the the door and give myself out and uh, hope that it stayed in there because it did try to wander off and did kind of get realized that they, they needed to get back in there where where it wasn't it wasn't baked by the sun so it, you know it, it got a, it got it felt, it felt that ground as hot as I would feel it and want to get away from it on my bare skin got back it got back in the picture and that gave me the opportunity to 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 get it into the shade where it could chill out and recover and uh yeah wasn't it wasn't injured wasn't wasn't really slowed down so luckily it wasn't it was a good outcome and I didn't get injured and I didn't fail or give up on it because of fear of the risk to myself so I don't I don't think of myself as like a, a hero it's just what you got to do sometimes um, 
and there's certainly been times where I wish I could have discovered trapped critters sooner, gotten them out of distressed situations. But today was a reminder that, uh, yeah, shade, water is life, shade is life. It's a miracle that we can survive these within this narrow bandwidth of temperatures and that the earth just doesn't have mood swings and the sun doesn't have mood swings and doesn't just kill everything off in one day or one night. It's pretty remarkable how we've evolved to be this resilient. And it's scary that we're pushing that upper limit right now. Yeah, I don't know what's worse, to go through global warming or to live through an ice age. I, I, I don't know. I have not myself lived in any climates further north than northern Washington. So I don't know what it's like to be in real hardcore tundra, year-round permafrost kind of environments. I suppose I'll have to in order to complete my full biome tour of permaculture in my lifetime for now i'm i don't think it gets much more extreme than what i'm doing right now not too much i do have some interesting ideas that i'm working on innovations because of my response to this and uh something a few things that are forthcoming i'm going to wait to mention but i will say that uh i discovered something today I want to report on, which is a, uh, to me, a real fascinating breakthrough, which uh, was unexpected, kind of a very serendipitous chain of events that led to a major breakthrough that's a game changer in a big way <laughs> at least for me it's not it's not going to change the world it's not a killer app for the world maybe it could be to some extent but tell this little story because it's the electronic device mobile phone version of this shade or die kind of motif because yeah within the last few days of really me knowing that around mid-June is when the heat really comes back and pretty much all of the deleterious effects of it are going to be reoccurring around this time and it will get worse in some ways the, the sort of concentration of it and the unrelenting cycles of it without any relief in the early mornings where it does get cool enough for me to get my sanity back still at least a little bit that's going to go away pretty soon but all of the worst aspects of debilitation and just yeah vehicle batteries losing their charge and dying and you know having to do more maintenance on them dehydration and electrolyte imbalances and 
just feeling beaten up constantly and being agonized. I'm not trying to bellyache, but I'm being in solidarity with the people around the world who who have to find ways to adapt and survive without buying anything. You know, they don't have they have no money, and there's or if they, even if they did, there'd be nothing to buy. So it's about how do you really adapt like the wild animals do? Shade, water, and then things that I'm experimenting with, like very, very simple and very low-tech, crafty, MacGyver-type, science-y kind of science experiment uh, partnerships of, of, of airflow and water because to generate magically this sort of effect of cooling without a huge amount of energy and an and elaborate chemical or mechanical machinery there's this magical relationship that can you can work with like an alchemist between airflow and water and to some extent gravity and they, yeah it gets into all kinds of thermosiphoning and tubing and I'm working at different scales with all that kind of stuff but on a tight budget now so there's certain projects that are kind of partially developed because of budgetary issues but what that reduces me down to because I did pre-plan to have strategies that would work at various scales so if I had to if I if the financial markets went south then I would rely on the most minimalistic systems of cooling using airflow and water in order to survive the three months of summer and then after that nine months of just total easy street you know and that's how that's really how, how it's been and it's been great so i feel like i have to endure this to earn how great and how livable and peaceful and tolerable the climate is how 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 forgiving it is for those nine other months and how much you appreciate even the coldest times and coldest months having lived through the summer so what what I have done, the thing that's new about today is, yeah, I've mentioned it at length before in, in numerous previous episodes about the strategies I've adapted for very like low to no budget, extreme heat, no climate control, no AC conditions, and uh, wrapping dampened what I, I I've used just torn sheets. Um, and I dunk them in soapy water so that they don't get funky and they kind of get routinely washed several times a day as they get re-moistened in a, in a, like a dog bowl. Just have one wrapped, like a, a sheet cloth dampened scarf around my neck and a sheet cloth bandana around my head and I just monitor them for 
how moist they remain and I just re-dunk them again and again throughout the day and uh, that that keeps me relatively not super fussy and not and not losing my mind um, and then unfortunately I do have a number of different sizes oh I have a number of fans of different sizes but I've discovered that above about 85 degrees Fahrenheit all you're doing is basically making yourself more fussy and uncomfortable by blasting hot air in your face and it really it may be doing something it certainly has an effect if there is any water on your body or on your clothing so again that's that combination of the cooling effect that occurs when moving air uh, comes in contact with moisture and certainly damp clothing has the most for me so far the most powerful and most simplistic powerful effect that if you can afford the water which i have more water this year than i had in the previous two years so i can do more experimentation and be more more liberal about it um but i'm trying i'm trying to still ride the edge of tolerability without because i could just yeah i could i could i could put on clothes from head to toe blast fans and just keep myself completely soaked from head to toe all day while there's enough sun to keep those fans blasting and i would be i would be super comfortable at that point but the water would get the water supply would get used up so fast that I would rather figure out what is the minimum surface area of the skin to keep covered with moist cloth and can I can I um, work with less energy use of the uh, solar energy use uh, on the airflow of the fans because it's at a certain point if you use too much fan power you dry out the water faster because i mean if you think about it you're kind of eating your tail at that point because the cooling effect happens because the fan is blowing the air on it but the fan blowing the air out is also evaporating and creating the cooling effect so therefore you're burning it you know you know you're burning off that water you're evaporating it off so you the the water input is is great and then I do have like the hand mister and that is a good just whenever it feels like I'm literally on fire I will use that hand spray bottle to just coat my full body but then of course it's dry again within sometimes seconds um, but at least it will you know that periodically can can be very effective but the thing that was different those are things I've talked about before just wanted to mention them uh, again because this kind of builds on that and builds on this logic of having the means to operate at a at a more energy and resource consumptive scale but trying to find that strike a balance between the psychological tolerability of suffering and torture and the minimal use of the energy and resources in the spirit of conservation and in the sense that anything could happen where where I, where I may need to stretch those supplies further so better to be as frugal as possible as a way as just a way of life
So what 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 I stumbled upon literally today, well, not literally stumbling, but in the sense that it just kind of happened unintentionally, was that uh, one of my kind of metal, very thin stainless steel metal, what you probably would think of as a dog food bowl, <laughs> nothing wrong with eating out of it, which I normally do, but uh, it's the bowl that I've been one of the bowls that I started to use again for dunking the the scarf and the and the bandana in water and uh, because as I said before all of the extreme effects are returning now there's really nothing else left that hasn't already happened and one of those things is like the extreme overheating of my mobile device during a lot of the day to a point where important calls can get cut off and annoying I don't I mean obviously it would be unwise to watch any videos because even keeping the screen on at all but if I had to go in and just do anything quick email or reset something or start a start any little task um it could just get stuck there and then just be cooking and uh and i literally thought about man is it realistic for me to imagine somehow attaching a fan like a computer cpu fan <clears throat> or a uh computer power <clears throat> power cooling fan <clears throat> and uh because I, I, I bought a couple of those. I have a few of them, actually. One of them is already attached on the outside of a computer to just add more more cooling. Uh, and that's doing fine. In fact, there has not been any slowing down or any performance hit whatsoever. Uh, so the fanning is working fine, but the phone, understandably so, above 105 it starts to really, really suffer. And I don't, I think it's unwise of me to, to, to push that. And, and it's certainly very demoralizing and very scary because I don't want to damage the phone. And that would be a major setback. So I did think about, okay, is it realistic to take one of those computer power uh, fans? And by power, I mean the larger, maybe twice the size of the CPU fan on a, on one of those, I don't know, my generation type of PC towers where there's a fan in the back where where the, the power supply cord goes in and basically it's cooling off where all of the components plug into the, the main power area. I can't remember exactly what it's called. I built some PCs, but not a lot. But anyway... Um, yeah, whatever, it's like 5 inch by 5 inch frame and just this little fan's relatively quiet um, and not that powerful but, and if I just put it on myself it just cooks me and dries me out so it doesn't do any good on me um, and so I, I, dug, I dug it out today, this morning wired it up to the power, the solar power system with a nice 
detachable inline kind of um, coupler so I could plug it in when it gets hot and unplug it when it's get, when it's cooler so I don't just waste it and run down batteries when I don't need to use it and then I was uh, yeah before I even had a chance to think about how I might attach it to the phone um, I use I use a uh, yeah protective case for the phone and uh, what it went what it ended up working out was just dropping that fan just kind of looking around going like having a curious George just moment of curiosity and I said to myself that fan looks like it would fit perfectly in that little dog in that whatever it's like a full-size soup bowl dog bowl right but that fan would fit perfectly on that dog bowl and just be suspended by its edges pretty much halfway up inside that dog bowl so that I could put a a, a small amount of water beneath it and experiment with what I am most excited to experiment with, which is getting the right combination of a dance between the location of a of a water feature at any scale and the location of either ambient airflow and wind or in for my purposes the solar powered micro fan type system and what can you do with that well what ends up happening and what i've had trouble with before trying to figure out how to get this to do something useful at the right angle at the right distance the right amount of water the right amount of fan power i mean what i had been doing last year was basically wasting a lot of water by taking like a box fan hanging it hanging it off of the wall pointing it at myself laying down and then hanging up one of these pieces of sheet material and just blasting it with a spritzer bottle every few minutes and that would generate a wave of cool air coming at me where I wasn't dampening myself, but I was creating that. The, 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 the hot air was meeting the moisture on the fabric and, and rapidly drying out the fabric. But in that process of that exchange of those molecules, the whole area that I was in would be cooled. And I would just do that repeatedly. And it was, it was effective, yet somewhat demoralizing and that was at the peak of last year's summer and that was about as as I was about as creative and macgyvery as it got in order for me to not be in a state of just total psychological meltdown to get through the, the the hottest points of the day but i wasn't generating like the feeling of like holding an ice cube by doing that it was just mildly slightly cooler air and you know get that temperature it doesn't take much to perceive it as cooler but it's not like putting your head in a freezer for a minute at the, at the 7-eleven when you're getting your beer or at home or whatever like we all done before probably who've <laughs> experienced in the refrigerated paradigm but uh interestingly i was able to magically uh miraculously actually find a perfect 
balance of these elements to where I was able to generate literally the sort of it's so cold it's it almost hurts to touch kind of a feeling on your skin I wasn't generating frost and wasn't generating ice and it, but it but it wasn't it also wasn't just a relative cool that seemed cooler than it was because everything else is so hot it actually was very much the temperature of what it would feel like to hold an ice cube and what that was was the base of that metal bowl where the water in it was being gently uh, made the surface was there was a little bit of surface turbulence of that tiny bit of water in that bowl and the fan was obviously sucking the air between the water and the fan up and through the fan so the fan was kind of kicking up not so much a cooled water in fact the air that was coming out out of that little five inch by five inch fan computer fan that was not a very comfortable i wouldn't put my face over that and think i was getting a lot of a, a cooling effect what where the cooling occurred was at the base of the bowl and it was and it was insane to me. I, just, I couldn't believe it. I put it on my chakras, basically. <laughs> and and I said, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, it wasn't cooling my entire blood supply instantaneously. But I figured, wow, if you did have... If I, I have enough... I, I could do this. I could, I could at least double this. And then there are ways where I now can conceive of getting more of these and scaling it up. And, you know, Paul Wheaton was the one who's, who's the master of, um, of uh, cold climate, uh, rocket mass uh, heating technologies and something you ought to look into if you haven't heard of that, but I won't go into it. But basically, his mantra is heat the person, not the room, if you want to be efficient with fuel and just design. And he would use small heaters to heat his hands and feet his hands for the keyboard to do work in the cold and his feet i believe if i'm remembering correctly what he said but then just be bundled up you don't have to heat all of the air in the whole room so that you can code in your underwear or whatever that's not really necessary you can stay bundled up and just apply the heat where you where you have your skin exposed that made a lot of sense to me and and i and i live by that in different ways so in this sense I don't need to cool the whole room if I can cool my blood. And even to some extent, just have a greater perception of relative coolness for the sanity preservation effect of the perception of relative coolness. And uh, that was a breakthrough for me because I've never, never... Uh, I know there's, you know, there's Freon, or, or uh, if that's the right one, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, there's obviously different refrigerant gas technologies at different scales, um, motorized much louder than, than that fan was. I know there's, I mean, I would love to go and raid a, a junkyard and pull out all of the mini fridge um air compressors with the whatever the gas mixer that they use in there uh and see if i could 
set up a system that isn't super loud with the with the motors and get that dialed in but this is even more elegant than that to just set this computer fan snugly safely above the water line well above the water line of just a half cup of water whatever it was and then end up basically with an eternal ice cube but this but a, a diameter of let's say what would it be maybe maybe a three inch diameter surface where the coolness is concentrated at the feeling of the surface of an ice of an ice cube and then it it, it kind of great there's a gradient up the, along the sides of the bowl but just like you know you you, you would have you experience heat conduction and cold conduction through the I can now I can't remember if it's a conduction or convection. Um, but the trans the, the rapid and very efficient, very surprising, sometimes shocking transfer of heat through thin metal and cold through thin metal. But under these if the, under these conditions with just a computer fan and like a half a cup of water in that dog bowl to have that eternal ice cube with a three inch diameter surface area now i say to myself cool the person don't cool the room and i played with it i stuck it in my armpit i stuck the bowl in my armpits i stuck the pole like i said on my chakras on my forehead everything you know third eye whatever and i said yeah this would be its own very hardcore spiritual practice of wiring these things up but the cost and the elegance and the simplicity relative to what it would cost to have a solar powered and lithium ion battery bank system and all of the standard even kind of optimized yeah we're talking many 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 thousands if not tens of thousands of dollars to do it right so that you could heat just a tiny rv i mean sorry cool a tiny rv by cooling all of the air and maintaining a consistent temperature so that you could be comfortable just moving around i'm not saying there's anything wrong i mean I have some issues with some aspects of that, but certainly if I could snap my fingers and give that to myself, what I would do to justify it is that I would say, I'm not gonna do this for me because I can endure with less overhead and I can endure with less high-tech stuff and materials that will have no other destiny than ending up in a landfill. Like I wouldn't do that for me, but I would justify it to do it for a plant nursery. So my vision board is that whether it's an airstream or a utility trailer or just a yeah a, a sort of box type utility trailer or a just a utility trailer with nothing built on it where it's just a platform and i could build something from scratch up a frame up from that it would be to have a, a, a utility trailer with a full roof footprint of solar panels and probably sealed lead acid battery bank for less maybe you know less cost but unfortunately less efficiency but at least less danger if you know what i mean um and have that even be detachable in in a modular way so that that could be offset uh when it's not being transported 
the battery bank and then um with its own shade kind of cooling system as well um powering its own fan cooling system but have that be a place to seek refuge from the heat to sleep and to have a nursery that's climate controlled because if it's a nursery and i'm growing plants to for me to eat and for my for all of the climate refugee critters to eat and for me to bootstrap this oasis food forest in the desert green in the desert project then i would justify the expense when i can afford it and i think that's really what i would like to have and what i'd like to do next so i'm not going to start a fundraising campaign but i will say if you're hearing this and you can visualize that and you can feel my extreme integrity attempt to be in line in alignment with those ethics of heat and cool the person not the room well if you extend that to taking care of hundreds if not thousands of plants that are going to nourish exponential numbers of uh of wildlife that are that are being pushed to the edge during this time of climate crisis I guess that's my pitch. Help me dream it up. And I know what it takes to do it because I built all these things out just not the right way with all the resources to do it right all at once and building it into one system all at once. But I have the means, I mean I have the confidence to do it and the mentorship to do it whatever i don't have direct experience doing but pretty much now i i see it very clearly it's the next level and it would make it livable here and also be accommodating to folks who might want to help me out from time to time but until then it's going to be shade or die <laughs> and i'll be putting that 3-inch ice cube machine oh yeah going i I didn't mention how <laughs> how much of a slave to technology i am because you know who got that ice cube all day today it wasn't me it wasn't my chakras <laughs> what got that ice cube dog bowl surface all day today was this phone that i'm recording this on right now because i had to know whether it was going to be capable of preventing the phone from becoming incapacitated during the heat of the day because that would be a major survival need um, breach of, of, of securing the basic survival needs because if I can't if I can't signal distress with this phone, I mean, there are times when the networks go down because of the heat, and at, at that point, well, at least it wasn't because of my dumbass being negligent, trying to watch videos on my phone when it was overheating. And, and the biggest, the bigger problem is that not only is it very dangerous for the phone to start to malfunction and lock up and freeze, freeze, yeah, cook, at an inopportune time, like 
as in one where there was an emergency situation and this was my only way to signal for help. Um, that would be a last resort anyway, but I have to be prepared for it, otherwise I'm failing survival school. But uh, yeah, in addition to making sure that it doesn't just malfunction because of the heat, the other factor is that what'll happen is when the heat gets near and above 105 degrees Fahrenheit, even well, it's well, you can have it plugged in, and, and it will, it will sustain its functioning at the current charge level that it's at, but it will not charge up. The charge percentage will not be added to until later in the day after the sun goes down. Only then will it go from wherever it was when it start when it was when it stopped charging. So I don't always have great control over that and if I did have to open it and use it for something, the the life of the battery could get sucked out very fast. I mean not luckily not as fast as in the earlier days of these devices, but fast enough to where you end up between 20 and 50 percent and then it gets stuck there and you can't increase it that means that if you had to unplug it because you had to respond to any kind of situation then you would be breaking that survival rule of filling up your gas tank at the halfway point so you should never below that if you need to respond to an emergency so the same logic would apply and i would like to keep the phone at 90 to 100 percent most of the time and uh interestingly there are people who say there are countries that do kind of social credit score type surveillance where they will know how responsible of a person you are based on the metrics of your battery's charging cycles they can extract that from your phone and know then before hiring you, no, we're not going to hire you because we know that you don't keep your phone charged very well. That means we we can't trust you to be responsible with anything. So figure that out. I, I'm not a fan of that kind of surveillance capitalism, but uh, but if you if you apply that that logic of what it means to be a responsible survivalist, if if not, uh, yeah, I mean little. To be a responsible person, let alone a responsible survivalist who claims to be on top of this kind of stuff, for me, having a phone that is barely functional for the tiniest, quickest task, and then is completely, completely uh, rendered malfunctional, if if not completely um, bricked, as as hackers would say, after using it for a few minutes, and and, and even worse than that it's not charging and you risk it just shutting down and then and shutting down and not being able to be charged even if you plug it in for the whole day until the temperature goes back down to at least 90 or something like that so that's what's happened it's happened to me before and and luckily of course it didn't i didn't die because of it but i have to always be thinking of the worst case scenario not in every second of my life, but if something like that, a red flag like that comes up, I go, what, how compromising would that be if 
if I really needed to rely on it. So anytime something comes up where it's like, if that was a situation where you needed that car battery, not <laughs> that car battery to, to not need a jump, and for that jump box to not be at low power so that you can't jump yourself and leave, which happened today and has to change, force me to change the strategy of, of, of battery power maintenance. That's kind of like, okay, it's summer now because all the batteries are fucked. You know what I mean? That's just the way it is. Um, but luckily I, I do this time more than ever with the voltimeter and the jump box and new panels and extra batteries and things uh i'm able to shuffle things around and get things sorted but you know all it takes is dropping below 12.5 ish volts and you don't have the crank amps to turn over an engine if i had to escape anything deadly i would fucking have died today because of that and if my phone would have yeah, if I would have been in a situation where I needed the phone and then, oh, whoops, oh, it just died and <laughs> and the battery the battery died and uh, I can plug it in. It's not like I can't charge it, but actually it is like I can't charge it because it won't charge because it's smart enough to know that it's too fucking hot. And if it tried to charge itself, it would maybe damage itself. So it's it's going to prevent me from harming it and it's going to resist being charged until the weather's cooler so the experiment today was deprive myself of the cooling experience of my new little ice machine my new little ice bowl and uh lay the phone face down place the bowl on top of the back of the phone with the water in it, the fan running, and then first, like it's Christmas morning and I wanna go and run and see what's under the tree, I wait for a little while to get confirmation that number go up, that battery charges. And when I pick up the phone, it's like when Doc Brown and Marty encounter the, uh, the DeLorean that comes back from having spent whatever a minute traveling into the future and then it comes back and it and it's so cold he has to shake his hand <laughs> that's kind of what the phone felt like so i was thrilled that it was that it was possible to use this magical macgyver just simple alchemy of airflow and and water and metal to concentrate almost like the way Sometimes I got to be careful about where my water jugs are because if they get airflow, I mean, if they get the sun beams going through them, they can start to carve their initials on anything that's wood. <laughs> so I have to make sure they're in the sand or make sure they're facing something non-flammable because it's almost like, yeah, the thicker the glass of the jugs, it'll become like that magnifying glass thing that, that, that people would do to carve their initials on logs and things. So it's it's similar to that, where there's this magical alchemy of elements, and you have this effect, and even with the tiniest fan, I was able to... It was as if I put my phone in the refrigerator so I could charge it <laughs> in, in 115 degree weather. 
ambient around the phone. So it got up while the temperature around the phone was 115 degrees Fahrenheit. It was as cool as something you would pull out of the refrigerator. It, it charged up to 100% and remained at 100% all day. And the few times that I did pick it up to do minor things, it was snappy, it was quick, it was not bogged down, it was not... It was functioning perfectly and I could get away with doing a few things. Obviously not trying to stream movies for 10 hours um, and, and, and it wouldn't have been effective if all, all I had done was just put that fan onto it and just held it up and moved it around and whatever, just made a giant gaudy, just absurd computer fan on a phone contraption, that wouldn't have cut it. It would have done the same thing to the phone as it would do to my face, which is just cook it and make it more uncomfortable. But what a tiny amount of water in that bowl did, by some miracle that somebody can explain to me someday, generated that level of, of, of coolness. And that is a total game changer. It sounds like nothing, but what if this, what if, what if this mission actually mattered to anybody other than me? Like, what if someone needed my help? What if it wasn't just me tempting fate on my own in the middle of nowhere? What if somebody called me, or what if someone said, I did a human, not just, not, I would say not just a lizard, but not a lizard, but a human who I care about, who was in distress, who knew that I was kind of checked out from society, but it was time to call the A-team or put out the bat sig signal or whatever. Now I know that I don't ever have to worry about missing that call because my dumbass let that phone get cooked into oblivion. And that's powerful. It's powerful that we have these tools and that we can be connected. Certainly, let's do it wisely. Do it for the right reasons. Be helpful and not harmful to people with this power that we have to be connected. And I just can't tell you how I feel now knowing that because it means I've established a, a, a microcosm of something that I can scale. I can scale it up in size or I can scale this down in size or I can scale it sideways, meaning just more of that same pattern. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to imagine... I'm sure people at Burning Man have kind of already been way ahead of the curve with stuff like this, but I mean, I imagine the sort of dune... the dune suit where you're using some, 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 somebody's genius design of these elements working together to where you have the way they use water-cooled well, I mean, I have a transmission cooler with a radio. I have a, yeah, I have like a, a transmission cooling system on, on my transmission. This science works and we put it on our engines. We got water pumps and radiators and fans and we do all that for our vehicles. Why must it be so out of reach for 
fashion designers and engineers to give us climate crisis suits like in Dune where we've got this stuff going. I'm probably just not not hip enough to know that this is already a well-established meme and hipster thing all over the world and it's just I would just imagine that probably it's out of reach and it probably it hasn't it's not a very down-to-earth trickle-down find it at your local flea market kind of a thing but it makes me think about it now knowing what I know now and having the experience that I have doing the R&D that if you can put damp um, preferably cool water dampened cloth in the crotch and the armpits around the neck and around the head you can cool the blood you can be comfortable you can survive and come back from the edge of heat stroke and heat, exha- heat exhaustion and heat stroke all various degrees of heat illness and you could survive and you know, I, I'm very acutely, keenly aware of the need for thinking this stuff through because I do a lot of research on the history of war and the kind of marching orders that are given. Circumstances like the Korean War, winter deaths in the freezing cold and the marching orders given during the Civil War and the Revolutionary War where they were wearing absurd costumes where they would just drop dead like flies because they were giving marching marching orders in the hotter months with just no clue about the limits of human performance under those conditions. And is that... I mean... I know we... I know, I know for myself... I'm in a, a, a one chain link chain of command. It's just me. <laughs> I'm my own commander. And I'm not going to command myself to go on a mission that's going to be certain death because accomplishing the mission is going gonna, is gonna to require that I survive. So I said it before, I'll say it again now. I'm the mission. I'm not here to join an organization that's going to have me go out and get blown to bits looking for mines with my bare hands or my bare feet or whatever, Um, metaphorically and literally speaking at times, with all due respect to those who are, are heroes of that, of those front lines, even to this moment. But I, I would like to think that it's, it's, I'm going to take a step back from taking orders on those front lines and I'm going to see if we can design peace and we can do, like they say, 99 hours of design, one hour of work versus 99 hour, one hour of design and 99 hours of work. Did I say that right? Don't spend one hour of design that causes you to do 100 hours or 99 hours of work do 99 hours of design so that you can do one hour of work that's how I feel about combat and warfare because on this chessboard I was born a pawn but I hacked my way and social engineered my way towards the back of that chessboard and now if I have to go into battle it's not going to be as a grunt as I'm not going to start out at that level And I don't want to personally, and with all due respect, though, 
I don't mean to be insulting with that. I was on a, I was on, it, it was a foregone conclusion that I was on a path to become a soldier earlier in life. And then things changed and I ended up becoming more of a solo covert operator of my own chain of command. And that sounds fancier than it is, but basically I took that mindset that I inherited or was born with or that I gleaned from all of my mentors from the military in my life and I opted not to join that fighting force and I joined different fighting forces. I joined paramilitary fighting forces. And what we lacked in boom and bang, we made up for in a lot of other areas of character development and of tactical and strategic development. And I've talked about all that stuff at length before. It's nothing threatening or intimidating. It's, it's designing peace and applying strength and power and force into piecework. And for those who want to do the boom and bang, then they may not get their rocks off on the path that me and my comrades are on or my, my fellow warriors. But I look at it the way I look at that design adage. How about 99 units of, of, of piecework so that the relative ratio on Earth is that we only have one hour of actually losing our cool and starting shit with each other, going toe-to-toe, and getting into any kind of violent confrontation. Like the ninjas have said, war is easy, peace is hard. So don't be a warrior and go into combat because it's cool and you think it, it's, it makes you a man or something or makes you tough. Because actually you're doing the weak and easy thing because it's easy to fight, it's easy to go to war, it's easy to kill. So I've heard. But it's hard to design peace, keep peace, maintain peace, preserve it, value it, and if necessary, engage in war to destroy those who threaten the peace at whatever scale. That's, but again, that's 99, hour, 99 units of peace, one hour of war. I don't want to open up this other can of worms, but I will say that how this relates to this topic of shade or die is like, don't tell me to go out and march in your funny suit in the middle of the hot season so that you can impress some politician so that you can impress your higher up and that and I become just a uh, a pawn and a sacrificial they say cannon fodder To me, it could just be done in a more intelligent manner. And certainly not all commanding officers or generals are that foolish. Otherwise, 
there would be no nations, we'd all just be dead. So somebody has to figure out something. But hey, they do it at the expense of expending hundreds of thousands, millions of young, usually men's lives, so that they can find out, oh, maybe there is a maybe we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't wear these giant absurd costumes that were barely appropriate in a totally different climate. Maybe we should become more climate aware as warriors, maybe. That's one you know, thought. But for me, I'm here thinking if in my life and in my tactics and strategies for my missions, for my campaigns that I'm the commander of, survival to complete the mission matters because I'm not expendable. <laughs> so I have to figure this out. And today I figured out something that on any battlefield of any political nature or personal nature, the battlefield that is surviving climate crisis where the enemy is the sun, sad to say, as much as I love it, as much as I worship it, it is the thing most likely to kill me right now. And it is the thing most likely to disrupt my communications so that I would die unnecessarily without them, which is things that enemies do, you know? To clip your phone wires back in the day. That was what Green Berets would go do. Dirty deeds done dirt cheap behind enemy lines. Read all about it and the manuals that are free to download off of archive.org. Pretty much everything that's been declassified. So it's good to know that it's possible with micro, minimal amounts of water and a tiny fan and a little bit of solar energy and battery power, you could reverse the overheating of, yeah, it could be a GPS. It could be a satellite phone, it could be an emergency rescue beacon, anything that is overheating and malfunctioning. Yeah, I'm not trying to go on Shark Tank or anything. It's just a moment to behold, and it's, to me, worth really celebrating it. So I hope you, uh, <laughs> hope you enjoy this, learn something from it, and... Uh, and, and, and go watch some old MacGyver so that you can really, really get in the mood to appreciate what I'm talking about. Nothing like, nothing like being a waxing poetic and being nostalgic about MacGyver. Cheers.